Hi there, so thank you for your patience. Some technical difficulties. Apologies for that. Thanks for sticking around and staying online. Really excited to share with you this morning and I really believe it's a message from the heart of the Father to, to ours in this time, a really important key. So we'll jump into it. A little chilly here in Bloemfontein this morning. So spring is on the way, but not in the weather yet. It's almost three, four degrees. And um, yeah, we hope to warm up soon wherever you are in the world and wherever you are in your bed or sitting in front of a, a heater this morning. I really hope that your heart is just postured and expectant for all that God wants to do. So I really felt it would be important to just quickly revise the prophetic word that we were given from the Lord for our church. And it's, it's for anyone that really says, yes, that's for me too. Because we're in a time, a very interesting time, where there's a lot going on. And reminders are so important of what God has said so that we stay true to the course that he's put us on. So I would love to just, well, keeping in mind the, the scripture that everything works together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's look at some of the your word again in the context of everything works together for good. So I'm going to highlight a few points as we get going. It's going to be a year of clear vision to see that God's upgraded and promoted us to another level. It's going to be a revealing year. We will have clarity to see for the decade the blueprints of God's purposes for our lives. God's calling us to stand at the edge of destiny, look beyond the past and the present, and even to start looking into the future now. It'll be a year where we see what we carry and step into His purposes. It'll be an unusual way of doing things, and therefore we need fresh downloads from heaven. So I'm pretty sure a lot of us have really experienced that fresh downloads, not always that we are familiar with. 2020 will be a year of surprises. Now bear in mind that this was a word that came through before the whole COVID-19 thing was a worldwide pandemic, before lockdown, before the crazy life that we know now with mask wearing and all sorts came into being and, and was a reality for us. God was telling us it's going to be a year of surprises. Now, I don't think he intended them to be negative surprises, but I do think 2020 has, has, has caught some of us by surprise here and there. But God is saying he's only got good things waiting for us to be opened. It doesn't mean it'll be without trial or struggle, but it just means it's going to be worth it to get to what he has for us. And he promises with that new joy, peace, and favor. Double portion and overflow await. This is your time to shine. Jesus is busy bringing forth the bride and the bride is standing up. And together with that, there's a new fresh intimacy with God that will trademark this decade of knowing him and revealing him. Any calamity, any destruction, God will turn these things around for our good. We're going to see good things. The mountains that we face, the challenges are invitations to encounter the living God. So there are invitations coming to us through these challenges that we are facing. The Red Sea that some of us are facing will be the opportunity to see God move on our behalf. The wind is blowing in a fresh way in this season and even in this year, there are new things. God's removing the staleness in our lives and he's removing religious ways of thinking and doing in our lives. So we might be thinking, oh, I'm not religious. And perhaps somewhere in our thinking and our responses, our perception of who the Father is needs to be challenged and shaken up a little bit, restored, renewed. 
It's going to be a year of the unusual that's come through more than, more than once, pretty often. And God will show himself in an amazing way in the unexpected surprises. And therefore, if we set our expectation and our hearts on him, we won't become disappointed in our expectation. And this to me is so important to keep myself reminded of. And I believe all of us need to keep this thing in front of us as a, a kind of a plumb line to align our thinking and our actions with. Uh, we posted on a, a couple of different groups just over the week um, something that Eric Johnson said about having an expectancy in our hearts. Because that's a heart posture. An expectation has a timeline attached to it. But an expectancy is a heart posture that God is working for my good, but I perhaps cannot yet see in my situation. And that's so, so important. So I just wanted to kick off with these reminders of what God is wanting to do, what he's busy doing, and where he's taking us to. And with that, a scripture, Romans 8, 28, I'm going to pick up from verse 26 in the message version. It reads, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, yes, Lord, these promises my situation doesn't reveal or reflect that right now. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. There's that expectation thing, as opposed to having an expectancy that, God, you're at work. God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along, if we don't know how or what to pray. It doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition that keeps us present, or he keeps us rather present before God. I love that part. Our pregnant condition, it means that we're in process. Changes are happening. Things are things are going on that haven't usually gone on. We always hear about pregnant women having um, just sort of funny food fetishes and things that they want to eat. And I think in a time of of God stirring and doing something and saying, but, but look for this and expect it. It's, it's this kind of pregnancy per se in our spirit. And there's maybe a couple of funny things going on and, and unusual things that we aren't used to, like cravings <laughs> per se. And this verse ends off, or this passage of scripture ends off with, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God has worked into something good, every detail every detail it's such a precious promise and yet when it doesn't happen in our time frame or the way that we expect sometimes that can cause us to abort what's busy growing inside of us and what God is doing and I want to share with you this morning on the power of humility the power of humility because humility is a massive key in this time and I believe it's something that we really need to to take a hold of and really ask Holy Spirit to help us just grow in them, just really graft into our lives. Isaiah 61, just before we get into the, the meaty content of this message this morning, is that famous scripture about uh, getting beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise instead of heaviness. And it's so important to just keep in our minds that nothing is impossible with God, that if it's not yet good, it's not yet the end. I love that. And here's something that you probably can't read, but it's a little picture of Mary Poppins saying, everything is possible, even the impossible. Now, we know where that scripture, well, that reference really comes from. It's not from Mary Poppins, but I just love that visual. And um, it's somewhere in my room where I can see it every day, every night. And I'm reminded that everything is possible, even the impossible. And accessing the things that God has promised to us and put in our hearts is really 
important and I believe one of the most important keys to seeing this come about is humility. So let's look at this. I want to talk to you firstly about the higher ways of humility. It really involves us getting out of our own head, getting out of the way and just saying, Father, if I can see you in front of me, I'm going to follow you. Because if I, if I can see you, I'm in the right place. Nothing else needs to make sense. It's wonderful if it does. But if I can see you in front of me, or I know I'm following you, that's good enough for me. You're in charge. That's what humility is. It's not leaning on our own understanding, but really just leaning into his higher ways. I think we're in a time where we're being forced to look at things differently. We're being confronted with certain issues in our own hearts, um, situations in our lives that perhaps have changed and have caused us to have to really dig deep and make sure about what we believe. Yet James 1 is, is talking to us about the joy of trials and testing because it actually results in our maturity. That's why we embrace it as, as a joy. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And so it's realizing that, that in what I'm going through right now that's maybe not so lacquer, not so good, or it doesn't feel good for me, it's producing in me a maturity that I actually need. And that's where I can find the joy in what I'm going through. Trials don't essentially um, always make us who we are, but they show us who we are or who we've become and where we can grow. It gives us an opportunity to grow. And anything that grows needs to be pruned. If you're any kind of gardener or you know someone with green fingers, they'll be talking to you about pruning roses in winter and let me not try and pretend I know what I'm talking about because I'm really terrible with all things that are living in terms of green leafy substances. Um, but anything that is growing needs to be pruned. And I heard such an interesting analogy recently that I want to share with you, or it's actually true of um, pruning grapevines, but it, there's an interesting analogy for our lives as we walk with God. And it's the following. We know the famous John 15 scripture where um, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we need to be pruned so that we can bear fruit. And I found out recently that grapevines, unless they are pruned, don't end up producing any fruit. They are just designed to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. So if they aren't pruned, then they aren't stopped and they're growing and they will literally spend all their sort of energy, call it that, <laughs> just growing as long as they possibly can and they will never produce grapes. That's why they have to be pruned. But as they're pruned back, some of that energy gets put into producing fruit. Some of, some of what the plant contains goes into the producing of fruit. And it's so interesting to hear because it reminds us that we're either going to be pruned or cut right back to the vine. So pruning is a necessary part of our lives. And the Lord will many times use trials, not always. Sometimes His Word comes to us and we just take it and it just cuts right through and the pruning takes place there. Other times it's a trial that we actually have to process through. It's something really just like, that's a struggle for us, that, that we don't have instant answers for, that, that, we, that we pray and we don't see instant change regarding. And sometimes that's the pruning. But God is busy with our hearts. It's never just about the situation. Our hearts are precious to Him. We're important to Him. Our lives count. They matter. Our victories matter for the people around us that need to hear our testimonies and our stories. So pruning is a big deal. Trials is part of that pruning process. And unless we're actually being uh, cut back in some way or another, we're not going to see fruit. We're going to perhaps overextend ourselves through our own strength, our own abilities, or our 
our focus on our situations and how to make plans and prepare. And I'm, I'm not saying we just throw it all up in the air and go, oh, the Lord will do it. But you hear me in context. It, it really goes about having a surrendered life and being able to trust the Lord when it doesn't make sense, especially when it doesn't make sense. Perhaps in a time like this year where we've had so many amazing prophetic words and it seems to contradict for perhaps a lot of people what God has said. And that's where you allow the word to come close and have it prune your heart and cut away the things that are standing up in terms of disbelief or discontent or uh, impatience, restlessness, or even just the stress of feeling like, oh my word, I have to make this thing happen. I've got to get this done all on my own and I can overextend myself trying to make plans, 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 instead of just resting and hearing what the thoughts are of the Father concerning the situation or the matter. So it's really just very, very important to be able to surrender what we understand, what we think, what we feel, and say, all right, Lord, you're in charge. If I can see you, if I can sense you, if I know I'm behind you, I can follow. I can get out of my head. I can get out of the way, and I can let you lead. And that's really what I believe he's after. And that in itself is relational. It's not a, a to-do box that you have to tick. It's really a thing about relationship and trusting him because he's good. And his promise is that he works everything together for the good of those that are called, that love him and that are called according to his purpose. And it's aligning every emotion and every thought to that goal. Lord, you're good and you're going to work this thing out for my good. I know you are. So let's just dig a little bit deeper into God's heart behind this thing called humanity. We've looked at the fact that it's, it's, it's a higher way. It's something we don't understand. But let's just look at what is God's heart just a couple of pointers that can help us um, look at what he's doing and navigate well and work with him as he's busy in, with this process in our lives. And my first point under this is that humility towards God must be demonstrated in relationship with other people. All right, God never intended humility to be a thing that's just all about you and I in the privacy of our closet with him. Yes, that's where he will be talking to us about it, but we need a place of demonstration. It doesn't help to say, I'm, I'm humble and I've, I've, I've surrendered to the Lord and, and I'm not coming into contact and brushing with the world around me to actually either let them see that and be inspired by that or, or to have that thing just tested and formed and fired and made in me. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says that all of you should clothe yourself in humility towards one another. So there's more to that scripture, but the essence of it is that it takes place in a community of people. It's never just about me on my on my own, by myself. So make sure in this time that, that you are not isolating, that you are getting around other people, that you are, are allowing, and I know that um, some of us are very busy in this time, but make it a priority because it's a priority for the Father. It's in His Word. You know, clothe yourself humility to, in humility towards one another. And if you're not putting yourself in a space where you are actually needing to engage with other people, that thing's not going to see its, its, its fullness come about. And then a second point I'd like to bring up is that grace is reserved for the humble. What is grace? Grace is empowerment. Grace is supernatural enablement to do what God is asking you to do, calling you to do, walk the road he's, he's destined for you to pursue. Very, very important. James 4 verse 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. So if you're experiencing some opposition, I'm not saying this is always the Lord, but sometimes it's the Lord's way of saying, hey, you know what? 
let's just cut back a little bit. You're overextending here. And I want to I wanna enable you with my strength. I don't want you to feel like this is on you. I want to empower you with my strength. And it's really important to just make room for that. He is strong when we are weak. And it's such a wonderful song to sing and scripture to quote. But it gets very, very real in your life and my life. <laughs> and we'll look at this a little, uh, we'll look at that in detail a little bit later. Pride, my third point. Pride is completely counter productive. Pride is either a focus on my strength or a focus on my weakness. Either way, pride is a focus on ourselves. It's looking at ourselves and going, I'm never going to be able to do this. Or, okay, I can make a plan. I can get this done. I can do this. And I start making my lists and charging ahead and doing what I think is right. And, and focusing on myself is going to end up, only on myself, let me say, it's going to end up defeating what God's trying to do in my life, okay? Proverbs 29 verse 23 says that pride brings a person low. <laughs> it has a way of just helping us to realize it's not about me, it's not about how good I am and how well I can do this and how many plans I can make. Father, it's about you, it's about your will, it's about how you want me to walk and, and journey, not about how much I can impress people through how well I can do it because I'm operating in all my strengths and hiding my weaknesses. Okay, and then a final point under something of God's heart. This is not, these are not all the points. These are just a few that I feel are helpful. God himself wants to exalt us. All right, he wants to see us succeed. All right, how do we know this? Luke 1 verse 52, God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. Okay, God exalts the humble. God's reward for humility is promotion. And we can see this over and over and over and over again in Scripture. But it takes a lot of courage and strength to really get low and say, Lord, I will do it your way. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. We're going in the opposite direction of what you said was going to happen, but I trust you anyway. And God looks at that kind of heart pasture that has an expectancy in him and says, with that, I can promote. All right. If he looks at a heart that's that's, that's struggling and striving and, and overextending and overproducing, if he promotes us, that's going to kill us. And in his kindness, he withholds that until we're at a point of recognizing that he's the source. So God's heart behind humility is that it must be exercised in community. We've got to get around to other people. There, there is a grace, there's an enabling that he gives us when we choose humility, when we live in humility. It's to recognize that pride is is absolutely defeating the purpose of God in my life. Why? Because the final point, he wants to exalt us. He wants to promote us. He wants to see us succeed because that gives him glory. All right? That points to him. All right, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not about our striving to get there. Let me talk to you for a moment about intentional humility. We've looked at the higher ways of humility, God's heart behind it. But let me give you a really real example out of the Bible about being intentional. So yes, humility is a lifestyle. It's a constant heart posture. But I believe that there are times when we make a deliberate choice to humble ourselves. And that's the breakthrough for you and me that will, that will visit back to us more than we lay down. And we see this in John 13 where Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. 
um, he's, he's having supper with his disciples, it's the Last Supper, and he knows that he's going to be betrayed, he knows that he's going to be deserted, and he takes the very people that are wanting to take him out. The enemy thinks he's got the upper hand, Jesus is on his way to the cross, it's all lined up, the King of Glory is going to be crucified, and the devil thinks he's won. And what does Jesus do? He, he takes a look at the situation, and he gets low, and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And he tells them, you don't really know what I'm doing right now, but you will. And he intentionally humbles himself, he intentionally gets low, and he does something that per se was the work of a servant. He's, he's really just allowing humility to be something that God can work with. Jesus came as the pattern son to show us how. And perhaps there are situations in your life and in my life that are just really grating on us, really, really getting us down. And perhaps it's just a call today to make ourselves low, to get really low, and to say, this goes against my brain, this goes against everything I feel is right, maybe, maybe financially or emotionally or practically, but Father, if this is your revelation for my heart, I'll trust you. I'll trust you, I'll get low, and I'll trust you. It's an intentional decision that you make, which seems to almost put the last nail in the coffin. First, I mean, here's Jesus, his, his intimate group of, of friends and followers are about to totally desert him. He's about to be crucified. And instead of trying to preserve anything about his life, he just gets low. And you can't get lower than that, really. And if, if that's something, or if there's a situation in your life that you're experiencing a real intensity about, ask the Lord, how do I get low? What does this look like for me? For Jesus, it was washing the feet of his disciples. That was something in the context of the day and the moment. But what does it look like for you and for me to really just get low? And maybe there's not just one situation. Maybe it's doing it again and again and again and again until our hearts are really just at a place of, of brokenness before him and just absolute trust because, Lord, only you can redeem this. And I just, I just lean on that, that redemptive nature that, that I know you're going to just, or that, you, that you're busy working in me and showing towards me. It's really having a confidence that's rooted in God. And it feels very, like, counteractive, but isn't that the kingdom? <laughs> the kingdom sort of works a little bit upside down. He who is first is last, etc., etc., etc. So many good kingdom values that we know, and yet it's for us to practically just live that out. Sometimes it's just about making very practical all this wonderful <laughs> knowledge that we contain. How real is it? How much of it is coming out of our lives? How much of it is influencing how we think and how we behave. It's such an important key. Just interesting to note that Jesus was obedient to, to death on the cross. He humbled himself to dying on the cross. And God raised him up and gave him the name above every other name. And if God's asking you to get low concerning a specific situation, there is no way that he's not going to visit your sacrifice back to you. There was Mary who went to go and wash the feet of Jesus, and, he, and he's like, look at this act of, of absolute humility. I mean, coming into a place where she knows she would be despised by the others present, and yet her goal was to just honor Jesus, and to get low, and just to wash his feet, and say, Jesus, it's all about you. And Jesus said, everyone's going to hear about this, and everyone has, and everyone does. 
It's, it's so precious, just the, the, the place of, of absolute trust and confidence in Him that we could lower ourselves lower than we ourselves could imagine being if that's what He's asking us to do. And it's never to humiliate us. Humility and humiliation, I don't even believe are opposites. It's really about just acknowledging God and His ability to work in a situation and seeing what He's going to do. And not only does, I, I believe, not only does He exceed our expectation, but whatever it costs us financially or emotionally to get that low, God will visit back to us. Because He sees that we're in a, in a place of trust and He can add, He can promote, He can exalt. He can bring us to a place where we, we're not going to crack under the, the, the weight of what He's giving to us and what He's bringing to us. I know Shal shared a little bit on this last week in terms of gratitude and how that's so, so important. Speaking of which, I want to now move on to something that I want to call lifestyle humility. Okay, we looked at higher ways, God's heart, uh, intentional humility, like maybe there's a situation or a season where I've got to deliberately go after it. But I now want to just talk about what does a lifestyle of humility look like for you and me? In terms of our responses, the condition of our heart, what we have to work on, grow in, let me share a couple of points with you. Lifestyle humility, how to make it practical is um, firstly that you are influenceable. You are able to be influenced. People's opinions matter to you. Not in an unhealthy sense, not in a people-pleasing way, where I keep the context, but you're able to listen out for somebody else's um, idea or opinion and you actually take it into consideration. It's not just my way or the highway, okay? Another important point about lifestyle humility is that you can be corrected without defending yourself. Alright? This, this is, I believe, something so, so important and something I feel we're oversensitive about in the body. We need to be able to have somebody come to us and say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing this. And for us to be open enough to actually go, alright, well, I didn't see that, but I'll, hey, thank you, well, I'll go and take a look. Do you know what a gift it is? What a kindness it is when a brother and a sister can come and can say, hey, I see this in your life and I don't want to see this cause hurt to yourself or those around you. And, and I'm just, hey, I want to talk to you about that. I just want to tell you, hey, I'm praying for you and I see this thing. So, so important. Um, again, everything I'm going to share has got a context and just you're wise enough to know what right context to put it in. But it's the essence of just saying, hey, you know what, thank you for that. Thank you for talking to me about this. I'll go and if it's not something that you recognize in your life, that you at least say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go and work this through with the Lord. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to me about this and being willing to do that. All right, very, very important. All right, another point under lifestyle humility is that you can rejoice when others are celebrated and others are promoted and others see, see something that you've been trusting for, whatever that might look like or be. It's having the maturity of heart to say, God, you're big enough for me to experience my promotion or, or, or my fulfillment. And that person getting promoted or you know, seeing the, the, the desire of their heart fulfilled doesn't mean that it's been taken from me. Even if I've been praying for it longer or I'm in a more desperate situation according to my own thinking, I trust your timing, I trust your ways. And it's rejoicing with somebody else that sees that, that breakthrough, that fulfillment, that promotion. Very important place of, of posturing our hearts. 
All right, and then of course that no job is too small for you. All right, we're in the kingdom and there's nothing that should be too small. Um, that, that we never get to the place of thinking, hey, that's somebody else's job or that's above my pay grade or if the Lord asks you to do it, do it. All right, that place of uh, I can never come to a point where I can no longer humble myself because that's now officially beneath me. It's just saying, hey, and, and you know what, it's not even always a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's just practically seeing what needs to be done and just doing it without being asked, right? Okay. All right, a couple of points I want to tie together now is um, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to have the answers. You can say, hey, I don't know, um, but I'll find out. Or, you know what, you can ask so-and-so. Or, let's find out together. I don't know. I don't have those answers. It's okay to say that. It's okay to, to find yourself with a question mark. Okay? And with that... Um, you're willing to seek advice from other people. And I don't have the answers. Um, um, how I wasn't correct about that. I actually had wrong information. Um, like, won't you tell me a better way to do it? Okay. Victory is won through many advisors. Okay, so sometimes we need some counsel from others to know how to navigate our lives well. Some of us are so used to these little islands and we're so used to just rowing our own little boat, making our own decisions, but it doesn't occur to us to actually share our lives and, and, and to get input. And practical lifestyle humility is really, that. well, that's what it involves as well. Hey man, I need some help, I need some advice. And that says about you that you're teachable. This is another point, you're teachable. You, you're able to learn new things. People can approach you with an idea or a thought and you're okay. It's not like, this is the way that I like it because this is the way that I know and I'm comfortable with this and leave my little box alone, okay? It's really being willing to expand beyond that. And I think this gets a lot more practical perhaps than I'm even sharing. But let Holy Spirit speak to your heart about what that means for you. All right, and then with this, it's so good if we can freely admit our flaws, our mistakes, and our failures. Being authentic is probably one of the most powerful things that we can do. And yes, there's a balance. There's a time and a place. There's relationship. But if you never talk about what you're struggling through or uh, what you're not good at, I, th I think we create an impression for people that we've got it all together and that we don't ever need help and that can also cause people not to approach us and not to tell us what they see in our lives and, and not to give us advice because we never need it. We're this perfect functioning robotic human being and it shouldn't be like that. We need to be okay to be able to talk about our flaws and mistakes and I want to say on this point as well, be a person that can listen to someone sharing their mistakes and flaws and failures. And don't go like, oh my word. <laughs> All right, everybody is processing through something. Some people just, I don't know, just um, maybe just don't talk about it. Maybe they're internal processes. And just be aware that, that you need to be a good listener. You, need, you perhaps need to be a good prodder and say, hey, what are you working through? What are you going through? Talk to me a little bit. You who are like that need to also take the responsibility of sharing your life, no matter how scary it is, and say, hmm this thing or and yeah it takes practice if you're not used to it but that's part of growing in a lifestyle of humility and just saying I don't have the answers always I'm not always right I need your advice um, I might need your shoulder to cry on hey just I'm living and I'm being real and, and and not to be 
um, afraid of people doing that, like you're the one listening, or that you're the one that needs to share. Both are equally valuable. That's something that we really value in Breakthrough City Church, is the thing of being authentic and real, and that's part of the process. Okay. Great. Now, we need to live to help others succeed. All right. This is kind of tying into that point that we rejoice when others are celebrated. Just so we need to live to help others succeed. All right. Find somebody that, that, that you can bless, that you can help make successful, and that's part of your success. Humility is also seeing that the people around me are reaching their goals, and it's not just me heading for the finish line and getting there all by myself. All right. We've been created to journey in community together at the same at the same time and same pace it's not for me to charge ahead and just leave people behind me that are struggling all right um laying down our lives for our friends it's one of the most beautiful things that we can do all right the new testament is full of they will know that we are christians by our love and how we love one another and love your neighbor as you love yourself this is a very practical way that you can show love is to lay your life down give some of your time and your energy your expertise your resources to make somebody else successful Okay, and then um, these are a little bit dear my God, meaning they're in a bit of a mixed up order, but they're all good. <laughs> Another point I want to share is that you're not easily offended. You don't get up on your high horse when somebody says something or does something. You're not instantly reactive. Um, I wouldn't say I was offended, but I was I was driving yesterday, and for those of you who know me, um, I really don't like it when people drive slower than they should. It's just, it's just rude and it's really just, it should be illegal. And there was a golf in front of me driving at about 35 k's an hour in a 60 zone. And we were in a single lane. I couldn't overtake him for a whole long stretch. And I was just like, dude, what is your problem? I was really just getting like aggravated with this guy. I was on a bit of a sort of a time constraint and I had places to go and things to do. And, and I'm like, hey, it's not Sunday afternoon. Just drive somewhere else. I was really mm, with this guy in front of me. And the first opportunity that I got to overtake him, I did, and I accelerated like way beyond 16. Now, just in case there's anybody from the, the police force listening, I won't tell you what speed I was doing. But I just got so upset with this guy that I actually went to the wrong shop. I was going to head up and go to a, a diskim in the Langenhofen Park area. And I ended up driving down to Towers Pick and Pay, for those that know Lumpentain. And I got there and I thought, Kenneth, what are you doing here? And I started to just sort of like laugh at myself because I realized, you know what, just because I was upset didn't make me right, you know, I really got upset with the guy, I don't know that I was offended by him, but I got really upset, and being offended and upset doesn't mean you're right about something, all right, there is a thing of yes, righteous anger, again, keep the context, but just because we're getting upset about something or we don't like something doesn't mean we're right, nee? and it usually affects us, not the people around us that we get upset with, well, that can spill over, but Oftentimes, we're the ones sitting with the, with the backlog and the, the frustration. So I had to like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I had to repent and do a U-turn and go to the shop I actually wanted to go to. And yeah, we all got to our destination. So it was all good. And then being thankful is just huge. Charles shared an amazing message on that last week. So if you haven't um, yet watched that, go back and do that. Thankfulness or gratitude, rather, is something that protects our hearts. It is so, so important. Something to make sure that we are regularly doing is saying thank you, finding things to thank the Lord for. And with that, we should not live with a sense of entitlement. Okay, that somebody owes me something, that I'm a victim, that God, you should have already, and, and how can you, and, and God, you owe me, and, and you're supposed to be good, and why not, and just throwing it all out there. It's, it's really dangerous to think that I'm entitled, and I'm entitled, and I'm entitled. 
because that really just takes away from our, our willingness to be humble and to do the very opposite of what we would want to see happen or what we feel God has told us is going to happen. It's a bit of a dangerous curve that, so stay off that road. Alright? Um, be quick to forgive. Alright, don't hold grudges. This is tying in with offense and entitlement. Really keep your heart clear. Really keep your heart clear. If it's something the Holy Spirit just pops up into your 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 awareness, you know, something that you're actually feeling upset or offended by right there and then just say, forgive me for holding on to that and just let it go. Right? Of course there's wisdom, you know, boundaries, all that stuff, keep the context, but you will know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you need to respond. Alright, it's just about finally just um, being comfortable in who you are, recognizing who you're not, but giving yourself that room to grow and not trying to overperform and overextend and and just saying, but Lord, come and be strong where I'm weak. Weakness is also not something that is just then an excuse. It's, yes, I want to grow, but I know I'm in process and I need your help, Lord. Sometimes we need to ask him for help and not try and prove to him that we're worthy and that we're getting this right. All right, so it's it's really just taking in a whole bunch of points and just saying, Holy Spirit, coach me in this. All right, because that's, that's what he's there for. He's the coach. He's the teacher. As I land, I just want to leave you with... Um, a scripture that's very similar to the one that we started with. Psalm 37 verse 23. The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. It's really, really believing that. Lord, as I, as I lay my life down, as I, you know, get low when you're calling me to get low, as I live in this lifestyle of humility, that you are directing my steps, even if I don't understand them. Psalm 51 17, I want to tag on to the end of that scripture. And it reads in the Passion Translation that you will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down at your feet. And earlier on in that scripture, it speaks about um, the sacrifice of my shattered heart. So when I'm really just going before him and I'm tender before him, I'm going knowing that he's good. Knowing that he's going to work together for good. The things that I don't understand right now, the things that I can't see, the solutions that seem are just have just vanished into thin air. Lord, you're good. I trust you. Holy Spirit, coach me, lead me, guide me. It's praying in tongues. It's it's putting on the garment of praise. It's choosing to worship when it's hard. It's posturing my heart in expectancy, not expectation of timing, God, timing. But I expect you to come and, or I'm expectant that you will move and it'll be for my good. And as I'm waiting, not to grow weary in that waiting time, not to grow weary of doing good. So let's just hand it over to the Lord and say, take me deeper, take me into this thing of humility as a lifestyle and show me intentionally where I need to specifically exercise it for the breakthroughs that you want me to have so that you can promote me, Lord. And let's just, let's just pray into that for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know our hearts better than we do and we can trust you with how you lead us because you know better. And we just yield to your higher ways. We say, yes, Lord. We say, here are, here are our hearts and tenderness, Father. And would you come and work in us what we need? Would you come and, and extend your grace to us and your strength to us so that we are enabled and empowered and strengthened to do what you have called us to do, to believe what you've told us you're going to do still, and just to stay in peace as we process with you in this time. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are so good that you that you open up your heart and your mind and your thoughts to us and that we have access to that. We are not alone. We are able to 
see what you want us to see and to walk in what you want us to walk in and you make it possible as we partner with you and we thank you for that father we thank you for your goodness we are expectant to see your goodness overflow because we know that goodness and mercy are following us and will overtake us and will surround us every day of our lives we honor you for that and we thank you for that in jesus name guys great have an amazing week spring is on the way hopefully the weather will become springy here in our corner of the world soon but we bless you guys love you and we'll see you again online soon